The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And you know, thanks to you again to all of our listeners. As you know, we've been in the middle of this series on ethical and responsible AI. We're a couple of episodes into it. And for those of you that haven't yet subscribed to our AI Today podcast, we encourage you to do so because we've got like 12 total episodes on that. And if this is the first time listening to the AI Today podcast, you should go back and listen to our AI failure series. Many of you have really enjoyed hearing about where AI systems are not working out. There's so much out there about the success of AI. And you know, we're champions of AI too, but you know, you got to look at all the warts because that's how you know when things are going well, because you also hear about all these percentages of AI systems failing. So one of the other great things that we've been doing on our podcast is interviewing some fantastic thought leaders in this space, folks who are putting AI into practice today, which has been the theme of our AI Today podcast since the very beginning. We started in 2017. This is over five years now, going into our sixth year, which is crazy, 270 plus episodes, and it's been a fantastic uh, ride ever since. So we are really thrilled to have with us a uh, featured guest here who will share with us some of those insights. So uh, on that note, I'm really excited. We're excited to have with us today, Renee Morcos, who is the CEO of Alice Technologies and adjunct professor at Stanford. So thank you so much for joining us on the AI Today podcast. Hi, Ron. Hi, Kathleen. Great to be here. Hi, Renee. Yeah, we're so excited for this podcast today. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background, your current role at Alice Technologies, and maybe the inspiration for uh, you know why and how you started this company. My background is I am a second-generation civil engineer. So I've been building stuff, uh, you know, basically my whole life. My dad gave me a really good piece of advice when I graduated high school. He said, uh, son, study anything you want. Just don't do civil engineering. I was like, got it. I know what my life's calling will be. Uh, so started uh, doing that. Um, I didn't like school, interestingly. So God has punished me now by making me a professor. Uh, but I would cut class um, and go hang out on construction sites. I would literally find the, the coolest jobs in town and then not go knock on the door and just volunteer. Um, and I, I built this underwater pipeline. I worked in Lebanese University at the time, um, bounced around the world, ended up in Afghanistan of all places as a civilian private contractor. And so designed, built, and procured my own jobs from, from scratch. Um, really just incredible experience personally, but also you know professionally. And I just learned a lot of stuff. And so... What's the inspiration for Alice? I think being 22, 23 and being given sort of full projects to manage uh, from A to Z, I quickly realized like, hey, I, I can't I can't crunch this in my head. You know, I, I don't I don't know what the optimal sequence is. I don't know what the right number of people are or like, should I do overtime or not? Or what's the impact of adding a crane? Like, and I remember thinking like, man, I gotta be like kind of pretty stupid. I can't figure out these really simple things. Um, and so I sort of decided, hey, why don't I go learn how the pros do this? And so I went um, uh, to USC, got my master's, and I kept looking for this tool. And then up at Stanford, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> kept looking for this tool, didn't find it. And I ended up building it, interestingly enough. Um, I, I don't think I set out to build the whole thing. I was trying to solve like a smaller piece of the problem. 
and I was trying to maximize space usage. So it was kind of one of those, like there was an observation. So, you know, the PhDs and the research, they get all excited. It's like technical terms for the nerds, but there was an observation and I was at this construction site and I, and I observed that there was, that the construction site was empty. But think about it. Like, I mean, literally look at any construction project anywhere in the world. Look, think of the last one you've seen. You're driving down the road, you look at one. I mean, there's a, there's some work happening on the 10th floor, but generally speaking, like it's empty, right? There's no one on it. And so I started measuring, you know, what percentage of construction site space is used for construction? Like how much of the space on the construction site is actually being used to build stuff? And, you know, maybe the users want to guess at what that number is. but the, the numbers that I was coming up with was 3%. Incredibly low sort of asset utilization. And it's kind of interesting. You start thinking of an asset and no one thinks about it. You formulate the problem slightly differently. And you get these, I think, remarkable you know results. And so I was like, ah, oh, all I got to do is increase space usage. So how would you do that? Sitting in Silicon Valley at the time, you know, if, if you're a hammer, everything's a nail. So we developed an algorithm. We developed an AI algorithm that, that, that started to run simulations for increasing space usage and we could get that number up to 50 55 percent theoretically but when we did that we suddenly realized like hey this thing like knows how to build not very well right not very effectively but it, it's figured out how to build it's cracked kind of a bit larger problem and then one thing led to another and we, we founded alice yeah that's interesting i mean the the three percent utilization may, maybe for for some folks who are not in the construction industry what does that mean? Is that you mean in terms of like while the construction project is happening during construction, uh, you're saying three percent of the maybe you can elaborate more about that and then kind of what where we're what where it really should be heading towards? Yeah, yeah. So what we were doing is we were measuring bays. So a bay is a space between four columns. Mm-hmm. So we would sort of take an image every twenty minutes of a construction project only during work hours, and we would say, you know, is is that bay occupied with someone that's working? What's interesting is originally we were measuring, you know, are they just standing there? Are they working? Are they, you know, and and at some point we're like, there's so little of these bays that are occupied. Just measure it occupied, right? If someone's in there, then we're just going to count it as as being worked on. And that's how we did it. And we we did it once in the Netherlands, twice in the U.S. uh, And the numbers were like 2.7, 2.9, 3.1, like Mm -hmm. within, you know, a fraction of a percent of each other. And so... Asset utilizations in factories tend to hover, like extremely well-run factories, maybe 70, 80%. You know, regular factories, maybe 50, 60%. But suddenly we were seeing this 3% utilization of something that, that no one's thinking about. Mm. And, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, that that's really very interesting because uh, as, as we sort of related even before the podcast, it's interesting how many times construction comes up, even when we're not talking about construction and AI, we've talking to folks in in pharmaceutical industry and manufacturing and retail and some of these other industries, which for our listeners, the people we've interviewed, a lot of them come from those industries. We haven't really spent as much time in construction, but even in those conversation, conversations, construction comes up because it's seen as like this example for project management. People can kind of understand how you run a project and also they can see with their eyes some of the difficulties in making construction projects happen. Sometimes it looks like nothing is happening for a long time. So right. it's really interesting that you focused on this because it actually does have a high overlap with a lot of the things that we think about in terms of AI optimization, recognition, pattern anomaly detection, and predictive analytics, a lot of the patterns we like to talk about. 
So this sort of like leads into, I, I cut you off there. So I'm sorry, really, you're the guest. So, you know, maybe, maybe dive deeper into that. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about, you know, why the type, why the time now is ripe for construction sector to adopt AI and some, some what are you seeing in terms of the adoption of AI in the construction sector as well? Yeah, uh, before I jump into answering it, the, the, the thing I was going to wrap up with the prior statement was that the thing that was really interesting was that it turns out that surprise, surprise, space and time are these really interesting dimensions that, that have these very unique properties. And when you study them, you start to, I think, uncover like the fundamental way think something works. And so because I was looking at space usage on construction sites and figuring out how like increasing it reduces the duration of construction, you know, I started to find these mathematical relationships between it. And so if if, if anybody's, you know, looking at a problem I'm not saying every single time you, you know you should look at the space-time um, interaction, but um, definitely when you do, um, there's there's a high probability that there's a there's a some kind of a reaction or a pattern in how the space and the time interact. I guess um, in terms of why construction now, um, it's kind of one of the last big ones, right? That hasn't been digitized. Um, according to McKinsey, it's the, the second least digitized industry in the world after agriculture. And so the reason what's happening in construction today is what happened in manufacturing and call it the 70s, you know, 70s, 80s. Um, it's becoming digitized and becoming industrialized. Um, if you think of manufacturing, let's call it in the, you know, early 1900s, even sort of 19, I'd say 40s, right? Like, Manufacturing still had, it was still an old school industry. It wasn't considered high tech. You know, there wasn't anything high tech about a bunch of people in a factory getting grimy and sweaty and, and you know, not working long hours. Um, but the digitization of it, I think, has, has really unlocked, you know, incredible efficiencies and savings. And why is construction kind of getting digitized or, or you know, using AI and, and ML and all of these kind of things today? I think that that mainly one of the, the major things that has happened, and this happened really in 2015, was the input to construction has been digitized, the design. And so the, the truth is that the the you know digital design or parametric design or generative design, all of that that technology has existed since the 1980s. But why did it take till 2015 for it to really start, in my opinion, taking off or being sort of effective in architecture? Um, it's actually the, the machines weren't fast enough. The models, the 3D models for buildings tend to be bigger than the 3D models for engines. And so once the machines caught up to being able to crunch buildings of that size was when you started to see this kind of switch to digitizing our, our input, which I think is one of the factors that's leading to the digitization of, of the construction processes themselves. There's lots of other things, right? I think that Construction is is it doesn't lend itself easily to being AIized, right? If that's a word, um, it it's th you know when you think about it, you got a, a building that's got plans, it's got mechanical, electrical, plumbing. There's lots of different systems. There's disparate architectural, structural calculations, acoustics, energy. Like there's all these different um, lenses to view a given sort of design or construction project, and that makes it a, a tricky problem to digitize. But I think what's happening now is you're starting to have a, a critical mass of sorts of a the 
machines are becoming fast enough to crunch these models. B, um, the um, the the venture capital community, I think, has has woken up to this and, and poured a whole bunch of money into construction tech. Um, you've started to see some you know, returns on that investment. Um, and I think three, just generally speaking, there's a number of technologies like um, vision, sort of processing, um, AI optimization, cloud computing, that are all you know adding to 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 sort of making sure that computer science as a whole has enough firepower to go and start solving this problem, which is happening. Like that's kind of what, what we're living through, I think, since 2017 till today. You know, those are really great insights. And it is, it's always interesting to see how AI is being adopted. And I know that some industries are quicker adopters of technology in general than others. So um, like we said, construction does keep coming up. In particular, though, you know, how have you been seeing customers really respond to this? And in particular, what kind of savings and benefits do customers realize from the Alice platform? Yeah, construction gets a lot of flack as it's not innovative. And, you know, it's just a bunch of folk, when, you know, with a pickup truck and some shovels. And, and you know, they don't want to innovate. They don't want tech and so on. Um I really don't find that to be true. So research we've done at Stanford on, I forget the student's name, but found that construction actually tends to adopt innovation extremely quickly when that innovation is is um, vertical. So when it's like an innovation that is, you're, you're using hammers, but now there's a nail gun, very quickly adopted. You're using shovels, there's an excavator, very quickly adopted. You know, any sort of technology that that, that isn't, cross-disciplinary has been very, very quickly adopted in construction. It's a cross-disciplinary um, uh, innovations that have been slower. Uh, but what I can tell you is that the beautiful thing about construction is like every other industry, there's always players that are willing to um, take the risk, push the envelope. The number two player on the market wants to become the number one player. The number you know, 200 player wants to become the number 100 player. Um, there's always companies that are willing to sort of push the envelope. And when it comes to innovation, I think most people view innovation as this thing of like, oh, I'm playing with these fancy new toys and it's, it's, it's fun. Um, in my definition, innovation is usually like lots and lots of failure, you know? And the truth is that, that, you know, what these companies are realizing is, is what's, what these startups are, are really re like, I've asked myself, why do startups exist? Why do we exist? You know, these companies with billions of dollars, right? Why why do they need us? And I think fundamentally what, what the conclusion I came to is that we are the outsourced R&D departments of these large companies. But what's so fun about being in a field that's going through this transformation is like, when I started Alice, I was like, oh, like we are the ones that are doing the fun stuff. Like, because we're working on this, you know, startup and AI, but really as this 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 revolution sort of took hold, I started to realize like every single person in the ecosystem is having a grand old time. If you are an executive at a construction company, you suddenly have access to a thousand R&D departments, each of which have, you know, call it a five to $10 million budget. Suddenly, you know, construction tech companies are saying that they're innovation fatigued. There's just too much stuff out there, you know, that, that's getting thrown at them. But um, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, like in every industry, right? There are players that that want to push the envelope, that want to sit there and, and look at this tech, our companies and others, and see what's the best way to implement it and what's the best way it's going to have an impact on the bottom line. And 
you know, again, like every other industry, like it's rare that there's a technology that you just like flick the switch on and it's done. You know, there's there's a there's a there's a combination between you know human machine processes like the company like all of those things come together, right? I mean, one of the things that we've started to say is that more than AI, it's about IA, right? More than artificial intelligence, it's about intelligence augmentation. There's, there's always an interplay between the machine and the human, right? And in construction, it's no different. And in construction, yeah, there's a lot of folks that we talk to that love innovation and they love innovating. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, we, we continue to interact with folks in the construction industry, even without trying, which is kind of interesting. We'll go to like a project management event, for example, and um, the folks from PMI, Project Manage- Management Institute, will tell you that a very large percentage of the people who are certified on the project management professional certification, the PMP, are in the construction industry, right? And what the construction industry will tell us is they're, they're like, yes, we love innovation, of course, materials. You know, you see lots of innovation in materials, lots of innovation in tools, you know, new techniques, you know, of course, you know, green technology and all this sort of stuff. And what, they t- what they've told us is that is that they've had some challenges when it comes to the actual construction process because people tend to be more conservative when during the actual building and the people that, that they're using aren't necessarily college trained. You know, a lot of the people who are doing the construction projects maybe didn't even complete high school in some cases, right? So there's a little bit of that. So I think this kind of brings into my next question, which is some of the challenges, because you're right, construction is ripe for, for it. And you mentioned agriculture. Ironically, we're seeing a lot of AI in agriculture, and you're saying, you know, construction may be number two to agriculture. I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe agriculture might be beating out construction right now with the adoption of AI. So what are some of the challenges that you've seen with the AI adoption in the construction industry? And, you know, how are you putting Alice, how's Alice putting AI to work in the construction industry? And maybe some of the challenges I just mentioned, you know, feel free to respond because you're in it every day. You know, we're sort of outside observers in this market. Yeah, I mean, when you implement Alice um, correctly and then actually implement what it's telling you in the field, you tend to see an average of about 17% savings on duration and somewhere around 13% on labor and equipment costs. So that, um, you know, very attractive sort of pie in the sky or, or kind of, you know, treasure pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is 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 substantial. And so that that is motivation enough, I think, for a lot of people to to go push for it and take some risks. Um, you know, the, some of the companies we're talking to, by the way, in construction would, would really, you know, blow anybody away in, in the way that they approach it. You know, if you look at companies like WIG or in, in France or HTCC in Hawaii, um, they have, you know, data scientists, PhDs, research, uh, robotics, drones, 3d printing, like they're trying a lot of different things. Um, in terms of challenges, I think that like you know like any innovation that's going to involve several different parties and like one of the things i've seen that's changed really in the last five years is five years ago comp- you know construction companies were like well like how do we think about startups like what how do we implement them how do we test them like do we just you know have a, everyone in the company go try something or do we need a strategy or like how does it work and i think one of the key things that that has started to change is that you have um Many people in construction companies, that are, or many construction companies, I should say, that have people that are employed with specific innovation strategies <clears throat> for, for trying, for bringing on and evaluating, you know, construction tech. 
Yeah. You know, we always love to hear about challenges because then you can really see where you fit into this. And you had talked about how construction companies, you know, they're really using a combination of AI with digital imaging to help construction companies track their progress versus plan. However, Alice is really focused on something different. You're focused on you're trying to tackle a different challenge, scheduling, which if anybody that works on a construction project knows that that is incredibly important and also very complex. So what do you think that scheduling benefits from the application of AI? Maybe, you know, how have you seen it really make an impact? And why aren't other companies focused on this piece of the puzzle just yet? Yeah, it's, it's really a personal choice. Right. Um, there's a lot of great companies out there uh, that are doing great work, and there's companies that are less exciting. Um, for me personally, and, and I think for the team that really, you know, I founded this company with, it was really, really important to go work on what we call the problem. So we didn't want to be like an iterative improvement in a process. We didn't want to add like you know, two or three percent or five percent. We we wanted to solve the problem, and the problem to us was was how do you build a darn thing in the first place? Like, I want to go build a skyscraper. What's the best way to do it? One crane, two cranes, overtime, no overtime, fast rank concrete, regular concrete, twenty steel crews, twelve steel crews. Like, I want the computer to tell me the best way to build something. That was the the grand idea. You know, it just so happens that the the output to that question. The, the the answer, the format of the answer to that question happens to be a schedule. But to us, what we want to do is figure out, what we wanted to, to build was a computer that could figure out the best way to build something. So that was kind of it. It, it was really, and I think that's important in life, right? You, you've got to pick the size of the, the problem that you want to go solve. Um, there's much easier problems, right? Um, there's, you know, folks that have, you know, built, you know, multi-hundred million dollar companies and far simpler sort of ideas. But for us, given that I did a PhD in it, and I really thought that, like, I wanted to crack the, the complicated thing that was that was on the table that no one's addressing, was how we ended up doing it. Um, you know, why aren't other companies focused on these this piece of the puzzle just yet? Um, it is really friggin' hard, right? Um, there's a reason that no one has solved it yet, and and there's a, like we have, right? But there's a reason that that this problem has been unsolved for you know five decades. And the, the funny thing about the innovation is I've gone, I've had at least two investor meetings where I've pitched them the idea, you know, and the investor sort of looks at me and goes, yeah, but like, what, what's the innovation? And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, is, isn't that how construction works? Like today? Like, don't you guys have some algorithm that, that, that crunches like a delay and then spits out the optimal way to mitigate that delay? Like, it seems obvious, right? And the answer is like, actually, no, we build like billion dollar jobs with a Gantt chart and a PDF printout. And that's how we do it. And you've got to hand it to the people that crunch these things in their head, because when you actually start looking at it algorithmically, you know, typical construction project, call it 6,000 tasks. Each task can have, you know, three or four different constraints that pertain to it um, that are spatial, that are resource driven, that are time. Like there's all of these things that are getting crunched together across 6,000 tasks and maybe 200, you know, or 300 days of a schedule. And that's what a human's trying to crunch in their head to give you something that sort of works. Um, it's incredibly sort of complicated, but yeah, that's the reason that no one's sort of focused on it yet is that it's just really, really hard. Like I've put, 
36, 37,000 hours of my life into it. And we've cracked it, but that's, that's what it takes. You know, it's, it's just, what's interesting about it is that, you know, there's this book I always sort of recommend. It was recommended to me by a, um, um, an investor, which was how to fly a horse. And it's the best book on innovation I've read. And it, it talks about innovation. Like everybody thinks like it's, it's this aha moment. And, and, it's, and it's so not. It's like you solve like little issue after little issue after little issue after little issue after little issue. And then you just keep going. And there's, there's thousands of these little things that you keep solving. And you're like, that didn't work, that didn't work, that worked. Oh, okay, cool. And then you solve it. And then it unlocks the next five things that, that aren't. And you solve those. And then it unlocks, unlocks the next you know level and so on and so forth. And after you've put 36,000 hours into it, somewhere around the hour, like, I don't know, 25,000, you're like, whoa. Like it, it actually looks like it's working. You know, I think we've cracked it. So I don't know. It's a long winded answer, right. but yeah. <laughs> Always leave it to an investor to recommend a book about horses. You know, they're, they're stuck on unicorns and things like that. So not much of a surprise. <laughs> Personally, I go for layers like a cake or onion or parfait if you're a fan of Shrek, but uh, we'll, right. go for, we'll go for horses on clouds if that makes the investors happy. So, uh, you know, that's, it's really interesting. You brought up a lot of interesting points about, about how people do think, you know, like, oh, construction's been around, what, for millennia, right? And the great thing about the industry you're in, I'm sure you won't deny this, is that construction will continue to be around for millennia as long as there are people in societies and civilizations. So let's not hope for a civilization collapse anytime soon. There will be construction, right? And and when there's construction, and then there will be these construction challenges. So absolutely, the market that you're in is is uh, absolutely you know here to stay. That would have been my first point. It's like, well, have you been in a building lately, right? So, um, so this actually kind of brings up. To, so you talked about some of the challenges, and, and even that one basic challenge of like you know optimization and and scheduling and uh, construction is in itself a significant challenge. But there are some other industry industry problems for construction. So maybe you could talk about that. You know, what other construction industry problems you think you know is Alice solving or maybe just in general AI is well suited to solve? Uh is the question what other construction industry problems is is AI suited to solve or what other problems in general? No, and well construction industry in, in, in particular, because that's your area of, of expertise, you know. And and I just wanted to mention to our listeners, by the way, uh th th this whole podcast is obviously available. We're gonna have some great stuff in the show notes. So we'll be sharing some more details about Alice for those who are listening. And of course, obviously for our listeners who are not familiar with project management methodology, the reason why construction comes up so much is that a lot of folks are being certified in our AI project management methodology called CPMAI, the Cognitive Project Management for AI, which is built on CRISPDM, which I'm sure you're familiar with, and Agile methodologies, because even in the space of AI project management, people are still doing waterfall approaches, which of course is the hallmark of construction, right? Build first with a big set of plans, right? That makes a lot, it actually waterfall makes a lot of sense uh, in construction because you can't, you're building a skyscraper, you know, in the software world, right? You build, you uh, change things often, you break things often, but you can't be like, oh, let's move the window on this guy. That's that's not exactly something you can do three quarters of the way through your, through the process. But, uh, but I just bring that up to sort of tie you into our audience. What we've been talking about around AI project management methodology. And for those who are listening, if you're not familiar with it, go to cognolytica.com/cpmai and learn more. But uh, back to our guest about some of the stuff I've talked about, some of the construction issues, waterfall methodology, all that sort of good stuff. 
Yeah, I mean the 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 thing is that construction's so large, like the the agile. You know, I I think there's a limit to how well it can work with something that's physical. And so there, there's a reason that it's done with the, with the waterfall method. Um, in terms of um, what other aspects of of construction can be solved using AI, I think like the the cool thing about innovation is that. You know, you put thirty six thousand. I put thirty six thousand hours of my life into solving the scheduling AI problem. Companies like Open Space and Doxel and others are are putting their th- version of thirty six thousand hours into solving the collect the progress from site part. But what's really cool about this is that it, I don't think it ever ends because then if you have an AI scheduler and an automated progress tracker, if you put those two together then what can you build on top of it? And someone's going to say, ah, well, what you need is an automated um, procurement uh, supply chain manager, right? It orders the material automatically once it sees that, that you know, this wall is complete. So it orders the paint or whatever the, the, the thing is. Um, there's always sort of the next version of the stuff that you can work on. Um, in construction, I really think that the supply chain is is really the one that's ripest for, for, for um, innovation. That's what I would sort of bet on. Um, just-in-time delivery, um, uh, you know, uh, digital kind of representations of the suppliers and their their products and and where they need to go. I think that's really the next big one. Yeah, you know, I mean, we always like to hear. Uh, you talked about challenges. You also talked about how you're helping solve just you know a part of some of the challenges right now and other areas of opportunity. So this has been really such an incredible conversation. Um, I know that we've enjoyed talking about it. Like we said, construction always comes up, but we always like to end our podcasts with the same question to all of our guests. And no matter how many times we've asked it, we always get a different answer. So I'm really looking forward to yours. As a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? If you look at how AI has progressed since called the 1950s, um, it's really interesting that to see like what does AI eat next? And so originally it was these simple games, you know, tic-tac-toe, chess at one point. Remember in the 80s, IBM's computer sort of beat Kasparov, right? And it was a big deal. Um lately, sort of we're seeing that it's AI starting to do these things that were like quote, only humans could do. Uh, visual recognition, natural speech processing, um, uh, driving cars. Right. These are these are sort of where the AI is today. And what's interesting is that as AI sort of moves forward and kind of eats the next field, so to speak, and it's really that field becomes digitized or starts using sort of computer science techniques. Um, it's kind of funny how that field suddenly becomes the hot cookie. Right. Currently, it's it's happening in the construction. Um, but for me, what's really interesting, what I like to think about is is what's going to happen when when the next thing that ai is going to eat is the philosophy department right and and when these algorithms start to eat and process all these philosophical works and and you know will that lead to them finally having a consciousness which thus far they don't right they're they're like no matter what you say they're, they're just they're they're still algorithms they can be very clever algorithms but they're algorithms but um the thing i wonder about is that right like at at some point what happens when the ai is tasked with processing and sort of um consuming you know philosophy and and how will that sort of affect ai um 
that's kind of I think the the, the broader picture. In terms of you know, obviously I'm a technologist. I, I think that the technology has really done incredible good for our species, and I still do believe that AI is an incredibly positive um, technology, and will continue to be so uh, at least for the near future. That's what I think. Well, great. Well, we do too. We have never run out of anything to say on the AI Today podcast. 270 episodes or so in, we could be 2,700 episodes, 27,000. You know, AI, as, as our listeners know, and I'm sure you know, has been around for as long as computing. It actually predates computing, the term AI, 1954, right? Mm-hmm. Alan Turing, one of the guys who foundations of computing, foundations of AI. So it's interesting that I don't know. Sometimes people think that like AI is a recent innovation on computing. I'm like, guys, AI is older than computing. It's older than the first computer. We've had, you know, uh, those tortoises that were <laughs> built that were semi-autonomous and the robots wandering the halls of the applied physics laboratory before we even had databases, the internet, hard drives, memory, no big data. We barely even had data. So, um, so it's really kind of interesting how, how, uh, uh, we're like in this, you know, we're, we're in this constant path and, and AI just happens. It's like that goal, you know, we want to make machines intelligent. And it's funny how you talk about the, the future of the, of the philosophy department. And we, we actually talked about the same thing. Uh, in addition to that saying, well, you know, the meat, we're not too worried. Somebody actually told us in one of the podcasts, maybe Kathleen, you can remember who it was like, you should only be worried about AI when it can tell a good joke. And, uh, <laughs> We're like, there you go. When it could tell a good joke, then you should be worried. And then we had we had another podcast on GPT three, of course, and you know, all, generating all this stuff. And someone's like, what I'm really worried about is not computers being smart; it's kids being smart and using GPT three to cheat and do mm-hmm. their homework. And we're like, oh yeah, that's probably tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're right. That's that's probably already happening, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness. So anyway, this is great. Maybe as mentioned, we could talk for a long time. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll have you come back. We can kind of see where things are. We'll check in on, on, on how progress is going. Uh, we really uh, enjoyed that. So I just wanted any, any final words or thoughts you had for our audience before we sort of wrap it up? One of the things, one of the things I would look up is, uh, I don't know if you've read Kurzweil's manifesto. And it's, uh, he, he talks, Steve Jurbitson, Silicon Valley investor, uh, refers to it and talks about how computers are the fifth actually the fifth paradigm in this like computing journey so people think of moore's law as like oh moore's law started i think he wrote the paper in 72 and you know it's it's been around since 72 but really what kurzweil uh you know points to and, and steve's been doing that math ever since um is that it's actually been 120 years that the number of, of calculations you can do. And it, you, he sort of shows that it was like vacuum tubes and then like catheter stuff. And there's like several different technologies that that, that, that that keep doubling the computing power that we have we have access to every sort of 18 months. And it's been happening for, for a long, long time. But anyways. Yeah, you know, it is interesting and we could have a very long conversation. So Renee, I want to thank you so much for being our guest on today's podcast. We really had such a great time uh, with this discussion. Super. Thanks so much, Kathleen. Thanks, Ron. Great to be here. 
And for our listeners, we will link to what we discussed in the show notes, including a link to Alice Technologies if you'd like to learn more, as well as a link to our Cognitive Project Management for AI, our CPMAI methodology. So you can learn more about that as well. It really is helping project managers do AI right. And with that, we'd also, you know, we had mentioned earlier, we have a lot of additional episodes episodes coming up, a lot focused on our ethical and responsible AI. So if you have not already done so, make sure to subscribe to AI Today so you can get notified of all of our future episodes, including some additional uh, guest interviews that we have and additional topics as well. We also would love if you could rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We do love hearing from our listeners, so be sure to reach out, rate us. Um, And with that, we'd like to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.